Today on Talk About That, John finds buried treasure and gets COVID. Meanwhile, I have some regrettable hot takes from old episodes and desperately want to be a ninja. Also, a conversation about unlearning wrong ideas and the pitfalls of ideological certainty. Today's episode is not sponsored by Bananas. Perfectly ripe for exactly 15 minutes. Good luck. Another Monday, the post-apocalyptic episode, Johnny post-COVID. Well, technically, I'm calling myself Johnny. Oh. Yeah. Johnny, I had COVID. I know. And that's why, you know, and listeners, you reached out by the ones and twos about us not having an episode last week, and so I'm here to tell you why. It's because John has a horrible disease. <laughs> I'm okay now. This is day 10, so I'm actually out of the woods. But I still, you may still notice a frothy cough every once in a while. <laughs> That's the That's nicest terif- way I could say it. It's terrifying. <laughs> Frothing. Good Lord. It just every once in a while hits you like a... Mm. Mm. So. The fr- frothy coffee sounds like a hip Nashville place. <laughs> well, we have Frothy Monkey. We have the Frothy Monkey. Yeah. But it's, it's a frothy weird, coffee. It's a weird name. When you think about it. Yeah. Because it feels like you're drinking a Frothy Monkey. <laughs> Like maybe it's like a charming, like oh, we're a monkey who's now frothing your drink. But it's like no, you're saying, right? Hey, enjoy this frothy monkey that we made you. <laughs> it's like that scene in uh, Temple of Doom when they're eating the brains. Yeah, that yeah. was the frat was the frothy monkey. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, I'm glad you're uh, back uh, to feeling good. And more to the point, I'm glad you didn't give me your horrible disease yet. Yeah, but it's on the way. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's hoping that the science is right because we're sitting in an enclosed space right now. And I'm still coughing. But you're in uh, post your quarantine period. Yes. You're coming out. You want the world to know. You've got to <laughs> let it show. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, one of those weird things because... Yeah, um, I have to fly to California tomorrow, so I did not need you to... Because they'll just lock you up there. You cough and over there in public. They're like, <laughs> why don't you just relieve yourself on the children? <laughs> like, you can't. Listen, if you do get sick, there's a good chance it wasn't for me. Let's just say that. I don't. Let's go ahead right there's now. There's no way you can know that. But there's no way you can know it was me. I'm seeing droplets right now. Yeah, come but out that of doesn't you. mean. Think about how many other people you've been around. Just at lunch today. Yeah. See, you want to blame me. I know this is going to go. You want to blame me, but Johnny. COVID shaming is real, bro. Oh, it absolutely is. And I think it's an important part of our culture. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what's weird is I was the only person in my family yeah. of the siblings. That hadn't had it. Both brother-in-law, sister-in-law, and my others. You thought you were the last man standing. You thought, maybe I'm one of these people who's super immune. Yeah. My brother and I had that conversation because his whole household got it twice. They've had it twice now, uh, basically, and he's not gotten it. Wow. And he goes, and he goes, have you got I go, no. And I go, maybe we have this because we're twins. And I was like, maybe we have the gene. Yeah. Maybe we don't. That's exciting. Yeah. But and it, again, yeah. I say that. There's a, very, there's a lot of hubris going on with that it's not gonna work out yeah it it, it finally got me yeah. and i went down like a sack of dirt like it was double vaxxed and boosted and it's still yeah when you called me your voice sounded like another person it sounded like <laughs> that's what you said uh john <laughs> it sounded like a computer like please hold for your it was one of those it almost like the thing that you hold up to your neck when you have the stoma yeah you know yeah it sounded like that kind of you were in that mode well, I had an interview scheduled that day for Not So Black and White, Yeah, and I, and I, I was going to try it. And by that morning when I woke up, it yeah. was like, uh, like it was just awful. I mm-hmm. thought, man, there's no way. I can't even, no. 
But they don't know that's not your real voice. You could have just played it off like, what? Well, you don't like Show that. you right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was bad. Uh, I had a fever one day. Yeah. Uh, I lost my sense of smell one night. For like, and you've never had a sense of taste. Hey, oh, I see Is he right? You, I see how you dress. Yeah, I put. I was putting Vicks Vapor Rub on my chest, and I realized like I can't smell this. I can't believe people still do that. Does Vicks Vapor Rub do even do anything? Suppose that was like. It's just doesn't Tim Hawkins say it's like Vaseline and gasoline? <laughs> That's all it is. It's just, you're just having hallucinations, playing the Doors songs. <laughs> you know, people are strange. <laughs> I don't know because you know it, it's not like I mess up the scientific method a lot in moments yeah. like that because I'm oh, adding, you're trying everything. I'm adding too many variables. So yeah. I did sleep all night. It could have been that. It could have been the medicine I took. Could have been yeah. the extra medicine I took. Five, or glass, the, five glasses of wine. Or the extra medicine I took. <laughs> <laughs> but sure, the Vicks. Why not? So, oh, but like gosh. I touched it to my nose. I could barely, barely smell it. Yeah. And then my nose started burning. Yeah. But I can't smell. It's a weird sensation knowing yeah. like it's so like strong. You've inflamed your nasal membranes. Right. And inflamed got no membranes. <laughs> inflamed in the membranes. <laughs> Half inflamed got no brain. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> a little blast. Was, Cypress Hill needs to do that commercial. What are they even thinking? <laughs> what are they, they need the money. Come on. You, <laughs> you know, know they, they do. do man. Maybe not though. I don't know. Maybe with like extended radio play these days on satellite. You never know. Who was the hoop? Uh, the the scoop there it is commercial that oh, they just yeah. did that's, uh, tag uh, team yeah. yeah wow it we, gets in your head too. that's the thing it's like you hate that commercial and then later on you're you're singing it yeah. you're you're doing that Ugh. my favorite part is the parents dancing yeah like nineties dancing to and the it. kids are like wandering to the next yeah. room they're like so embarrassed of it yeah yeah that's gonna be you man well it already is you probably Sadie embarrassed you yeah. oh yeah yeah I mean no, yes. you're the cool dad you're our hero I think I I think I'm super important to her. Yeah, because you provide food and shelter. Right. And she, you know, I don't know. She's, again, we've been some cool places together. See, that helps. Yeah. So, like, she's not embarrassed to but go to Hamilton to with me. You, like, let's say if she were to see you dancing in public. Johnny, you would be embarrassed. Yeah. Like, I'm I... I'm embarrassed thinking about it. Right. It, it's just not something that I do. I think that's a part of my personality anyway, is being embarrassed on behalf of other people. Yeah. Like, I can't believe that person's not embarrassed. So I get embarrassed for them. Proxy yeah. embarrassment. Yeah. Like I used to think that, uh, maybe we've talked about this years ago on the podcast because we've been doing it so long. I don't know what stories I've not told, but I rem- remember that because I have a twin brother. Uh, we don't look alike, but we're, and so we're just, could not be more different. And he's such a great guy, but we're just so different. And I remember growing up, he was the outgoing guy. Like he, he would ask girls out. Right. I was shy. I was heavy. He was skinny. And so... But the main difference in our personality was he loved to watch, like, a train wreck. Like, if he, you know what I'm saying, like, the dumpster fire would make him just perk up. So, like, if we were ever in a sermon Mm -hmm. and the pastor says the awkward thing and I'm sitting next to him, I look at the ground. Right. Like, I want to get out of here. And my brother goes, what? He looks looks up. up. Like, he leans in. It's getting good now. And I just, and he'd start smacking my leg. Are you hearing this? You know, <laughs> so it's like, it's such a funny, like, it's a complete polar opposite personality, but it's just funny. And it's not right or wrong. It's just because I don't love that about myself. Like if he, he used to do this to me all the time. He'd say, uh, dude, look at that guy behind you. Like I'm in a restaurant. Look at this guy behind you. When somebody's doing something dumb or whatever, golden corral, they're stacking whatever on their plate. 
And I, I wouldn't look because I didn't want to just like turn my head around in case the person is looking my way. Yeah. I don't want to make direct eye contact with somebody for no reason. Yeah. And my brother would say I would do this like half like incremental like head turn like <laughs> I would jerk. So and he go it's so weird. Just turn your head and look. But I'm like I'm not going to do that. We're in, I'm trying to have a civilization. What over would here. that person think of me? Right. Right. But he's just unf- he's just free in that way. He's just like no, the world's on fire and it's it's amusing to me. Yeah, but see, is it freedom though, Johnny? Well, I don't know. Because... This isn't. (laughs) (laughs) What I got ain't. (laughs) I was going to say, freedom is neither one. Yeah. So you're free from the uh, judgmental staring back at your judgmental stare. Yeah. But is he then struggling because he's staring at people too much? He Mm -hmm. doesn't know it. Yeah. What we need, Johnny, is a balance between the two. (sighs) And somebody looks halfway at the person. Yeah, like a halfway, yeah. Closes one eye. (laughs) Then you're winking at a stranger. It's beautiful. That's what we need. I don't know, man. But so now you're back out. You're out of quarantine. You're back in public. It's time to go. Dude, we just need to go downtown and party. Ugh. You know, you're back. Let's go to one of those hatchet bars. Have you? Do you think every big city has those now, right? Where yeah. you go, you have a couple of pops, and then they go, hey, here's a dangerous weapon. <laughs> like, or darts that bad. You, like, know, you know I did that in Wisconsin no. the night that you left. No. Yeah, we when we were up there doing the marriage conference. Oh, that's conference, right. You stayed the extra. Night we went. There. It was a, it was so much fun. Did you did you land one? Oh yeah, land, oh you're pretty landed good. multiples. Oh, because you're you're a former ranger of the year. Well, everyone knows that, but you know who was really good was Laura. <laughs> like she actually was really good. at Can it. we explain to the listeners oh, my about Royal Rangers? At I don't all? know if we can because if you just say Ranger of the Year, they just think it's almost like an Eagle Scout, right? Well, uh, well, actually, gold medal of achievement would be the equivalent oh, of Eagles, well, Eagle Scout. Sorry, yeah. GMA, and I got out before that. Call them, yeah. Yes, I was in a in a Christian uh, camping boys program growing right. up, and uh-huh. the Baptists have something similar. Awanas? Uh, there, no. There's called I think Royal Ambassadors. Maybe used to be a thing. What's Awanas? Awanas is um, it's like a kids program. It's yeah, like, yeah, it's like a, like a right. yeah. They but that's like, not what this is. This is like Boy Scouts. Yeah, well, my dad was the commander, and he was a Boy Scout commander before that. Okay. So, like, before they had Rangers, back in the, like, 70s and 80s, dad did Boy Scouts right. and Girl Scouts with the kids of the church as kind of like the youth group thing. Uh-huh. So, but he took them everywhere. Like, he took them camping all over the country, and, you know, they would just load up and go and stuff. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it was great. I mean, but a lot you, of— But you were rugged. You were rugged. You knew about nature. You, dude, knew, about, you knew about throwing a hatchet. Like, but I there's had, no real reason to throw a hatchet as a boy. I don't know. You know what I'm There's saying? You learn to use a hatchet to chop down a tree or something, but you wouldn't be like, I bet I can land this in that log. Maybe. What if what if a Do you think moment... it's like an innate skill you just had? Had no. you ever thrown a hatchet before that moment yeah. in Wisconsin? Okay. I'm pretty sure, but not like they made you throw it. You're like, yeah, but Laura made me really mad. The, and... <laughs> the, the hatchet in Wisconsin, and listener, whenever we have the videos soon, yeah. you'll see what I'm doing. Like You had to put it above your head between two hands. And throw it like you that. have to, yeah. Like that's they have a guy that teaches you. Oh, what, I yeah, see. Yeah, they have all they these safety precautions, right? Yeah. You know, you're in like a cage somewhere, right? Yeah, it's it's a walled area. I want to see because I wonder where this is going. Like, are we going to just keep going? Because like, I want to see a bar where they just hand you this like bamboo reed, and you go, "What's this?" And they go, "Trust me," and then they give you a poison blow dart, <laughs> and then you just they just let it rip. Wow. And it doesn't need to be poison, but that just adds to it. That way, if you miss, like. You're taking somebody down. How about one out of every 50 of these is poison? Okay. Yeah. like it, So it's like roulette a little bit. You don't know. So <laughs> it it's blow dart roulette. You're going to take it pretty seriously. I mean, you're probably okay. Maybe. Right? It's kind of like how I think of COVID. Someone the other day was like, look, 
COVID is a cold that could kill you. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's, this is weird. Oh yeah. You might've had a cold or people are dying. Yeah. It's a cold that can kill you. You really don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. It'd just be cool to be like, you just, somebody's just sitting at the bar and all of a sudden, (laughs) they just keel over it. All right. Cutting you off. You know, (laughs) I was a ninja star thrower. Oh, yeah. Well, there would always be those youth trips. I don't know if everybody had this experience, but we would go to a place called Gatlinburg, Tennessee, Mm -hmm. which was famous for airbrush T-shirts. And it's at the foot of the Smoky Mountains, but it's a very, like, tourist trap area. So there'd be, like, the people who want to go and, like, I'm going to go hike and I'm going to go get in the creek. And then there'd be our group, which would be, like, go to the magic shop. We're going to get the magic shop. We're Mm going to get saltwater taffy. Yep. We're going to get an airbrush T-shirt that has the name of our church on it. There's a bunch of arcades back then, too. A ton of arcades. Yep. And then there's there's the China's Chinese Bazaar. China Bazaar. China Bazaar. You go in there, and there's nunchucks, and there's ninja stars. Yep. And your youth leader always goes, don't go in there. Yeah. Kids, you can go in any store. Don't go in there. Yeah. You can go in Heaven's Presence, which was the Christian <laughs> bookstore, <laughs> where you get your little bookmark with your name on it. You're like, they don't even have my name. You know, and the one kid's crying because his right. name, whatever, is Clint or something. <laughs> You're like, sorry, Clint, you're not in the Bible. <laughs> Guess you're not making heaven. <laughs> yeah. We make one up. They should be. They should have a guy in the back that just makes up something. Yeah. If you get a kid with a name like Bryce, it's like, all right, we got a Bryce, and he just makes well, God's chosen or whatever, you know, and he sends it out. It's just a total made-up thing. <laughs> Donkey's hoof. Like it's just, it's, random. it's just like a warning. <laughs> May not be actual translation. Yeah. But anyway, so. Um, so, yeah, but he would tell you, don't go in there. That's the one store. But then there's always, like, the rowdy kids. They're like, let's go sneak off. You break off from the group. Yeah. And then you'd have to, your youth leader, like, and then I became a youth leader later, and it yeah. happened to me on my trip with the college group. When I was college pastor here, we had a couple of kids that went in, and they wanted to buy a bunch of junk. And now they're just walking around with a bag of ninja stars. and Yeah. And back then, it was crazy. So my school would go, too. So not just youth group, but our school would go. Uh-huh. And I remember probably seventh grade, all of us had gone. Yeah. And the entire bus was armed with knives, nunchucks, right. ninja stars. Yep. It happens, man. Brass knuckles. Like, you could get anything in there. And then they come to tell you, hey, give me all that stuff back. And you go, not so fast. You throw a smoke bomb, <laughs> you disappear. There's no way they'll ever catch you. <laughs> I just remember thinking, like, see, back then, today you'd get suspended for that. Yeah. Like, if you had a weapon on a trip. Right. Back then, it was just like, oh, childhood. Yeah, yeah look, we're just, all, it we're felt all like armed. this is what grown-ups, it felt like that was your, you're trying to hit the fast-forward button and become a grown-up by, all grown-ups carry ninja stars, right? Like, you don't, I don't know what we were thinking, <laughs> you know? Like, your dad's a ninja, right, Billy? Like, what? Dude, I I really did, I I worked in the ninja arts a yeah, lot as a kid. I wanted to be a ninja. And Oh, yeah. I thought I knew karate. Well, I would watch Karate Kid or something. Uh-huh. And then I watch a ninja movie. There's a lot of ninja movies back there. Tons. Chuck Norris and... Yeah. There was this show on syndication called The Master. Oh. And it was about an old guy. And it was Lee Van Cleef who was from Good, Bad, and the Ugly with Clint Uh Eastwood. But he was this old guy. And he he knew. And he was was teaching this young... Somebody's going to remember this show that's listening to this. But anyway, I thought I was... I was like, this guy. I thought I was him. I thought, I'm going to do this. Wow. Because I was a big kid. I was like, I'm going to be... You're going to be the ninja master. Well, and I couldn't even touch my toes. But the thing is... (laughs) It's not about, it's not all dexterity. It's about being in the right place at the right time. Well, and, and you don't have to know how to do in order to teach. My highest marks were in stealth. <laughs> <laughs> We'd play hide and seek in the yard, like epic yeah. hide and seeks with like, you know, 12 yeah. people. I, I had, um, 
I had learned how to take a black T-shirt and literally, I could still do it today, probably, Johnny. Yeah. I could turn it into a ninja mask. Right. Like, and I was so good, I would lay, I would just hide in the open in the yard laying in a shadow. And they'd be walking past me, let everybody look, and I would literally lay there. Yeah. And just, they would be right beside me and no one knew, Johnny. And then you found out they were just, they didn't want to hang out with you. Right. Was Turns out like, I was the only, no one was seeking No one me. was looking. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did that at camp one year uh, where it was like a water balloon thing where everybody gets two water balloons and you go hide and then you, that's your weapon or whatever. And then like, you know, you try to survive and well, we did one that. kid got in the lake with like a straw and yeah. it was just like a whole thing. He gets in, it's like, you're going to freeze to death. Well, I kind of forgot about that. That was every year. Of my camp growing up, it was called War Games. War Games, right. And we all got two water balloons, and it was like a big deal for points with the mm-hmm. teams. Yeah. And yes, our whole church, like the guys. There's always the one kid that takes it a little more yeah, seriously. They bring the camo, camo. Yeah, they bring camo. Yeah. And I do, Grease paint on his face. I want to say the kid with the straw was when me and you were leaders. <laughs> I want to say that we had a kid in our group or He's something. that snorkeling. He went into the lake, yeah, and he had a straw yeah. and, br- and breathed through the straw. And right. that pond was nasty. Yeah, it's not. You just not. Be in there's that. not that kind of. Yeah, he probably developed a fungus of some sort, uh-huh. but he won the game. Right. You know? uh, and a lot of good that did him now. <laughs> no, but Rangers, dude, I was like, like I, I had to. You'd have to light a campfire with one match. That was one of the badges and stuff. You had to learn how to build it and all that. Oh yeah, I never could do that. Um, you'd, so I'd go get one of those huge kitchen matches, like the you know, hey, yeah. look, one match. Um, and but you know, wait a minute, you, you could use a match. You didn't have to start it with your own friction. Thingy. No, I'd do that too. Okay, you could start a fire with just that. Yeah, flint and steel. Oh, look at you. Yeah. But you got to have your little tinder moss, right? Your little... Uh, no, we could just go get it. You go get the kindling and the tinder and the... But but is it like you bought it or is it like you went and found it No, no, you go get it. The best thing is to like peel off the cedar bark, you know, and take off the little, the fibers, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of make a little pile, make sure the air is under there. You build a you build a little A-frame with a teepee over it. And uh, yeah, dad taught me all about the, the old making the fires and whatnot. Man, we just had different dads, didn't we? It was, uh, dad, dad was very like, you know, um, be able to go out and survive, you know, kind of thing. And, and, but, but he also would bring a lot of creature comforts. So out, like he'd bring a mattress or whatever for the back of the, well, what's crazy is like your dad was so hands-on and so like PDA and all of it. And he's trying to teach you how to survive without it. My dad was the opposite and gave me no survival skills. I, we needed to switch dads. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like my dad needed to be teaching me like, Hey, uh, I'm not going to be here for you. Here's what you need to know. <laughs> Meanwhile, your dad's like constantly there for you, but he's always like, if I'm never here, here's how you start a fire, son. <laughs> it's okay. I'll Meanwhile, always be starting fire, Meanwhile, right? he's always providing for yeah. you. I think losing dad, that was a huge, a huge part. Um, I remember, I don't know if I've told this story before, but you know, dad obviously ran a commercial lawn care business in addition to many other jobs. And uh, right after he passed, I had this, this old lawnmower that dad had bought me. Yeah. And... Um, like I, I did not take very good care of it, Johnny. <clears throat> and, um, somehow like the, the whole, like, uh, well, it, it, it had messed up. I needed to get the blades off cause there was a messed up, um, part of the pulley. And I just, I didn't even have the tools that I needed cause I needed to be able to break it. I didn't have an air wrench at that point, all this kind of stuff. And it was probably worth a hundred dollars, like the whole lawnmower, like yeah. it was garbage. Like it just needed, I just, I needed to go get a new lawnmower. But is this after he passed? Yeah. That you're having to fix this? Yeah. 
And I, I thought you were going to say he appeared behind you like Patrick Swayze in Ghost, didn't he? He starts, <laughs> he's helping you. No. He's molding the clay. Well, Dad had taken that lawnmower home before to okay. service it and do stuff for me. All right. Just because I was busy and all, you know, and I know how to change blades and oil and all those things, but Dad would just, he would just do it because he was doing it already in other lawnmowers. Yeah. And I remember it was like a thing. Like, I had to fix that lawnmower without my dad being here. Right. And so I went, I bought a bunch of new tools, and I mean, I spent days out there, and in fact, the whole, like, plastic housing around the engine had cracked, and, like, I fashioned my own, uh, like, metal brackets that I screwed into the plastic, and I re-put it back. I put all that together and fired up the lawnmower. I mean, I changed out the main serpentine belt, but you have to take a lot of the engine apart to do that. And just remember, like, it was like this feeling of... It was a whole, it was a sad feeling, but also something I had to do. Like, yeah, I get that. Like I, I got to do this because no one's going to be able to do it for me anymore. You know, it was it was kind of therapeutic, oddly enough. Right, like a cathartic thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then the lawnmowers eventually, like it lasted another two years, two or three, and then one day I was driving and I went to make a turn in the yard and the wheel just fell off oh, <laughs> on yeah. the front. The whole thing just just went right into the ground. I was like, well, that's it. I had Seth come out and uh, bring like a. a skid steer and he just picked it up and hauled it off and uh, that was yeah, the end. just like our lives boy guys uh that's our episode today so <laughs> but yeah i mean it, it's but dad always had like tools yeah that he knew like i remember he was helping me uh one night i had to go to youth in our old house and my sink was leaking and dad came over and i had been under there like and it kills your back and you get under the oh, sink yeah, there's no way to on do the it. cabinet You're laying you know? on the corner of it yes god just kills you and i hate i hate plumbing so bad yeah Dad pulled out this red tool uh-huh. that basically it was made yeah to get up in that to spec. go up in the space yeah. and like it would it, it didn't even have a, a you didn't have to like clasp it it would itself by gravity grab the right thing up in there uh-huh. and turn it and it was like he did in like five minutes would have taken me twenty five of just like meandering and contorting myself to try to get up in there it was just like. He was like he just had all the he had all the the tricks yeah. like he knew yeah, I've done this a hundred times I'll just do this and yeah. so I have that tool now but I don't know how to use it <laughs> it's just out in my <laughs> I still just call a plumber <laughs> what, what is this yeah they're gonna find it in an archaeological dig two hundred years from now what was this you know by the way speaking of archaeological dig that mm-hmm. when we were building the church we were using a ditch witch to put in the lines over here we were probably six feet in the ground mm-hmm. and uh. I found an old chain, like a very old chain. Like it's not. This is Oak Island stuff right here. Yeah. I mean, it's, I have it at home still. I I should, again, I can't wait for the video. I could bring that in. But it's like a. Show and tell. Like a fully round circle on one link and then a smaller circle on the second link and then a fully round circle. Like, so there were different size links in the chain. I need to have it tested, Johnny. Carbon dated. Who knows? I mean, it could be a, who knows how far back I could go. See, sometimes our the greatest value we've buried it. Oh my goodness! And then someone has to come earth it, and it, oftentimes it's a witch. Wait, that's, wait, that, went, that analogy went off. <laughs> it's a witch. My dick. mom would never have rented a ditch witch. <laughs> she was very, she was very fundamentalist in that way. No devil's food cake, no deviled eggs. You did not. No, they were converted eggs. <laughs> no, I think she called them angel eggs. I'm not kidding. I'm sure she did. I loved your mom so much. And uh, but yeah, she was. Uh, Words were very important to her. So if she, if she heard it was called a ditch witch, she'd be like, what else you got? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything else that digs trenches? <laughs> we got a trench winch. No, thank you. 
Uh, we don't do that either. That sounds unsavory for everyone. Oh, my goodness. That's so funny. <laughs> there probably is a company called Trench Winch. They just, <laughs> they're the competitors. <laughs> There's bitter blood feud between these two companies. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, but no, I, I always think about that because now there's these accounts on TikTok and on Twitter of people. Some of them are Christian accounts. Some of them are very like evangelical type accounts, but some of them are Christian accounts and they're doing like cheesy pastor illustrations like we do sometimes on our show. Yeah. Like we'll be like, in that just our life? But they're like, you know, I was in the store the other day and they'll do this yeah. long story and then they'll be like, and then that just like our Lord. And so they'll do that. But I think about that all the time because... When I hear, so I hear it with jokes sometimes, and I'll think, "That's a really funny joke." And then I'll think, "Could that be something? Is there something there?" And I'm, "Why? What? Why can't I just enjoy this funny joke?" Yeah. You know, everything has to be like a man. That'd be a great object lesson for whatever. Like, there's this great Emo Phillips joke that I had heard a million times. I don't know if you know Emo was, but he was like an '80s comic. It was a yeah. very strange, he had a very strange delivery. But he would tell these really like interesting, intelligent jokes. And they're really dark sometimes. But he'd said, and he has a strange voice, and he'd say, When I was a boy, my mother told me, uh, never go never go to the cellar door. Stay away from the cellar door. Don't go anywhere near the cellar door. But one day, she was away, and I couldn't wait. And I went to the cellar door, and I opened it, and I saw things I'd never seen before. Things like grass and trees and <laughs> Sky. <laughs> it's just such a funny like right. switch. <laughs> and I was thinking like I was thinking of that joke for whatever reason the other day, and I was like, because I was trying to, I was going to do a Sunday morning that's coming up, and yeah. somebody wanted me to come in and do a message. I was thinking that could be like an analogy for like forgiveness about how you like you think you're you think you're uh, locking the other person out of your life, but you really locked yourself in the cellar. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but it also made me go like, just enjoy the dumb joke. Like, why does everything have to be a... <laughs> and that's just like us when we hold something against somebody. I think it's a... We're in the cellar. I just think there's no way around it. I know. Like, it's just, it's wired in, isn't it? I, it's certainly in a pastor's mind. A yeah. youth pastor's the worst. Like you guys, my, the kids. Everything's about little nuggets. Like, we, oh, it's such a nugget. We play the game. We'd be yeah. on a bus ride for eight hours, uh-huh. and the kids would be like, "All right, uh, what about that seat cushion yeah, and like pine comb? Can you? What could you do? You know?" And I, I just it, we would have a lot of fun with that. Well, that's what the cub. I guess that's what Royal Rangers was. That's what I was going to say when you were talking about me. It's still in nature. You're out in nature, but it's like, yeah. let me tell you about this clover. Mm. This is the Trinity. Yes, guys. It's three in one. Three leaves, yet one plant. I got a four-leaf clover. Heretic! Hey. You know, and you just <laughs> then that kid gets stoned. Go get one match, start a fire. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Pull a leaf off of that and get over here. Throw a hatchet at that boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that kid started his own church. Oh. Yeah. And that kid was it's the, Marilyn Manson. That's <laughs> right. There's always that story. We just put all of them together. Yeah, any person that turns out to be a horror story in pop culture, we're like, they came, they came to our camp, and we rejected them. We received them not. It, it was Marilyn Manson was talking to Mike Warnke. It was, and yeah. they were in the pond with a straw, with a snorkel, <laughs> throwing water own, balloons. That's the <laughs> only way. Dude, I saw a commercial. I don't know if you've seen it, and I, I have to know more about it. Okay, so that's your whole point. Like instead of just enjoying it. I want to know how it happened. Uh-huh. Have you seen the Apple commercial with John Hamm? Oh, uh, that, about him. everybody's got a yes. show but him, and he's mad. He's watching the show. And there's no show about him still. Right. There will be, though. I think that's what's happening. Okay, yes. I hope so, but 
I, in my mind, what I want to happen. Yeah. And listener, if you haven't seen it yet, you can go look it up. But Ham's like in this this John Ham's in this like really nice swanky L.A. house, right. supposedly his. Yeah. And he's watching Apple Plus. And he's just scrolling through the menu. There's yeah. so many shows. And like he's naming all the actors because there's so many shows. And he's like, there's Tom Hanks and there's, you know, this and that. And, 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 and he's getting like increasingly frustrated right. because he's not on any of the shows. And so like he calls Tom Hanks, Hanks. And he starts talking to him, you know, yeah. I see you did two shows, you know, and he goes through each one. And they keep kind of growing it. And then it, the best part of his whole thing is you think he's talking to Hanks. And it comes like, are you satisfied with your message? He's like, I know I'm not satisfied with my message. <laughs> like he's just getting belligerent as he goes. And then at the end, one of the guys, he's, he's got himself twice in the show. Yeah. He's a clone. He could have cloned John Hamm, but I guess not. And yeah. then it's like Snoopy. Guys, even Snoopy. And the end it says Apple Plus. Everyone but John Hamm. Yeah. And I'm just like, what I want in my mind is for John Hamm to have been sitting around and that really happened and him go, oh, we got to make fun of me. Yeah. And make a commercial about this. Baby, I have a feeling, I don't know, that's the thing. It's hard to tell when a celebrity is being self deprecating. It feels like they're stepping outside of their own ego and they really get it. But then, like, Sometimes it's very savvy on a PR move, like, I need to look like one of them, so I need to do this thing that makes me feel... What if he's, like, really upset about it? It's like they're always in on it. I don't know. It's like, uh, Kathy Griffin used to talk about that, because she, basically, her whole stand-up persona, if you know Kathy Griffin, is telling stories out of school about other celebrities. Yeah. Because she's not a D-list celebrity, so she's like, and then I met Sharon Stone, and you won't, wait till you hear this, so the crowd, like, leans in. They can't wait to hear the dirt on. And, uh, but she said she did a thing... And it was a, a charity thing. And she started roasting people in the front row. And they were all celebrities. And one of them was Sharon Stone. And she said, there's that thing when you know a camera is on you that celebrities uh-huh. do where they have to pretend that they love the joke that's at their expense. Yeah. And I never really was aware of that moment before. But I look for it every time now when I watch like the Oscars or whatever. It's so phony. Because uh-huh. you know if like a camera wasn't on, they'd be like, that is so big. Like, <laughs> but they're, they know they have to look like they're being a good sport. Yeah. But some people are good sports, and I don't know. Surely, I like to think if I was being roasted, I'd be like, whatever. We roast each other. It's fine. I would guess. I don't know. That's part of me goes, he was so good in that commercial. There's no way. I think they're getting ready to give him a show, and that's the sure. thing. And like, there'll be a, but here's the thing. Like, but if uh, they didn't, that's even better. But Kimmel did that to <laughs> Matt Damon forever where he would say, like, uh, my apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time. He'd pretend to bump Matt Damon. <laughs> right. But it wasn't real. Matt Damon was never really on yeah. the show. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was a few times, but then, like. Matt Damon would come on and like pretend to be mad sometimes. Yeah. One time I think Affleck came on and he was in this gigantic getup, like a like a fat suit. Uh-huh. And then he produces Matt Damon from his <laughs> like torso. Matt Damon's in there. Wow. And it was like Matt Damon's way of sneaking onto the show and be like, "Aha! You can't do it to me again." <laughs> Jimmy's all furious. Yeah. You know. But I mean that that's like a that's like a fake. Matt- oh, I sure. like that kind of stuff. Oh, I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I mean. To, to to somehow, I think it does nothing but endear you to the audience so yeah. much more. But but I love it when they're not even trying to endear. I just love it when you know they have fun with it. Like that's I, I see some things with Fallon sometimes. I go and he just does this because he has fun. Because right. sometimes he doesn't get the, the biggest laugh from it. Yeah. But it's like there's an art to it. Like no, I'm I'm doing this stupid thing because I like it. So which is why I do this podcast. That's really the only reason so. I do anything is if you like it. Because if you don't like it, and then a bunch of people like it, now you're stuck doing this thing you hate. Yeah. So that's that's the worst. Which is how you came on the podcast. That's wow. And now we're here. <laughs> uh, this is our last show, everybody. 
Thanks we hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. You know, we did have uh, Allison, who's a loyal listener and dear friend. Mm. She's been listening to older episodes, and she's been calling us out on yes. all these things we were wrong about. And that's the thing, I, which, you know, I don't know. Wrong about that. That needs to be our next <laughs> That's the follow-up episodes. But, yeah, it's that thing of, like, when you have a take on something, it's so much easier to not have a take. Yeah. You're like, oh, well, I don't. I don't really want to render an opinion because if you say something like it's not going to age well sometimes. For example, we'll see if we can let them hear this one. This was something. <laughs> this was about. Uh, or what, what was the context of it? It was about. I ended up saying something about like a Skype. I'm trying to. What was the year? I can't even see it because the the video came in super small on mine. 2018, maybe. Maybe here's here's what I said about or what we said about Skype. You're literally, everybody has a camera on them. It's like 15 little thumbnails, and you're all talking horrifying. to each other, and you're listening. That sounds like an ADD. That does not sound like an ADD. <laughs> 15 people on cameras? It's like yeah. a big Skype chat that's going to yeah. go wrong. There's no way that software It's like leadership-driven stuff. I just would really, I don't know, I feel like I can grow. And I'll use what Johnny's like, we just go buy the books and just read them, and you can enrich yourself. Sounds like John Driver's not accomplished so <laughs> I don't know where that was going. What was the context of me saying? I don't remember. We like, had to what? ask Allison. She's the one that went back and looked. Yeah, this is going to kill her. Well, here's the thing. It's like, I get it, but, and I told her later, I was also kind of right because Zoom calls were a nightmare. Nobody liked them. Well, you're like, speaking be- them like they're in past tense. Be- I still have more Zoom calls. Just because they exist and, and, and they are happening, what I said was, it sounds awful, and it is awful. So yes. I still stand by that take. Wow. Allison, I think you just got called out. So if anybody's thinking of hiring me for a Zoom thing... <laughs> This is how I feel. Well, I mean, I think what she's laughing at is, is I think we were acting like, oh, that would never work. Would never happen. Right. right. It would never work. Right. And literally, it's how the world works now. I think it was already happening then. Well. It just wasn't. <coughs> that's 2018. It wasn't a huge, like, it, it wasn't a part of our culture as much. Cue the COVID cough that reminds us of yeah. why we have Zoom. Sheesh. So, yeah. Zoom and QR codes, man. They're the, man. Mm. They're behind the pandemic. That's what I want to say. <laughs> There's my take for now. That'll age. That'll age like bread. Like two years from now, Allison will find that clip. Some of these takes are aging like bread over here. Yeah, no, I. That's the thing, and I told her that I said, well, you know, it makes you not want to have an opinion because you're just like, yeah, this is not gonna. I think about it all the time as a writer. There's so many things I want to write about, and I go. But you already have like an example. You have examples of yeah. things where you've changed your mind on. I have a book called Letters to the Other John. Yeah. That I wrote about youth ministry to. John Kerry, our new youth pastor. Yeah. And I would probably redact in the form of some of the teaching things about a third of it. I want to see a redacted version just with the black lines <laughs> through the. It's gonna, I don't know if I'm going to put the time. That happened, you know, that happened to me at a restaurant the other night. And I put an Instagram photo of it up and it was a menu. And I guess it's just because of whatever. People always want to blame. Supply chain. People want to blame the government on supply chain. It's like we had a pandemic. It's the supply chain. Like, right. It, no matter who's president, whatever. I just don't. I don't love that. I don't love the idea that like gas, blaming gas prices, blaming supply chain issues. But, but anyway, all that said, it was like uh, seafood. The seafood section of the menu. There must have been a bunch of stuff where you couldn't get it, or it was way yeah. too high market price. So it was just marked out, <laughs> and so it looked like a CIA document of like a restaurant. And uh, but it is. It's strange. Um, but that's what your book needs to be. Just a big. Fart, fart. <laughs> and then you feel like, oh, I wonder what the. And then you could buy the secret key with the rest of it, and you feel like you got in on it. You sell that for another nineteen ninety nine, John. <laughs> Do you want the real book, the decoder pen? Yeah, I I think that there has to be anything you make. Yeah, requires a level 
the word you used earlier of hubris to go, this is valuable enough that someone needs yeah, to read it. Yeah, just saying anything yeah. into a microphone these days, you can pretend it, it doesn't mean anything, but it is a, you're rendering a, and we all have that thing of like, if you go back and look at your posts from 2008 or whatever, you just cringe every time. I've deleted so many things. I'm like, what in the world was I even doing? Yeah. So it's like the person that you were when it's stored in like this weird carbonite thing like Han Solo. Yeah. Like it's not going to age well anyway, generally. You don't go, man, what a great person I was then. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm being a little more gracious towards the old John. Are you? I, Letters I, to the old John. <coughs> when I There's look, your next book. <laughs> when I look back now... I'm going, you know, I, I, it's modernism. You know, you want to say yeah. everything that's new is better. Um, and I think I've learned more. That's where it gets me is, wow, why did I not know X? You know, yeah. and, but, you know, let I wouldn't be where I am. I think this sounds so cliche, but I think it's super true. You really can't be where you are without going through where you were. <sighs> Boy, that sounds like a country song or something, man. That's, I'm writing this down. Hold on Guys, a second. come on now. I mean, you have to you have to be able to give some respect, yeah, or some grace, you know, to those things. Uh, for example, um, I'm probably about to pitch, about to pitch maybe a children's book I wrote. Yeah, I wrote it 13 years ago. So I mean, it's a 12, 12 years. You're ago. still a child yourself. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and I've rewritten part of it, but the initial story of it. Yeah. Uh, is is still, I think, really strong. And like I had to read it to an editor the other day. I can't get through it without crying. So I don't know if they feel that way, but for me, right. I can't. They probably hang up and be like, this guy's oh, unstable. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's crying at his own. It reminds me of my kid. It reminds me of our yeah. students because it was a kind of a, oh, the places you'll go kind of thing for high school graduates, you know, and, and for my three-year-old at the time. But, you know, I have updated it though. Like I've I've added some elements yeah. that I go okay. Now that's that was a very fulfilling. I mean, it hasn't gotten published yet, so we'll see what happens. But that was a fulfilling moment to go. I think I took something that was actually good then, uh-huh. but I think I know some things now to make it better. And that was that was a good feeling instead of just going nope, got to start from scratch. You know, like no, no this still no, has that's value. Good. You know? I do that with jokes where I'll be like this. This has fallen out of the act. Now I can go back and look at it on Evernote or whatever and be like, oh, I need to bring that back and now like try to rewrite it. As a better comedian. Yeah. Hopefully. And I think it's a harder thing to do in some ways. It's yeah. harder to see old content in new ways. Would be like if you're building a house, like sometimes it's it's so much easier in your head to be like, why don't we just tear this down and start over? And you're like, no, we need to renovate it. I want to keep the shell of this. Yeah. I like this. And they're like, no, this is like it's it feels easier to just tear it down and start over. Listen, I have said in the church world so many times, and I mean this not the building, but the the <laughs> process. When we were especially trying to make such drastic changes to a more like true gospel-centered place, mm-hmm. and a grace-centered place away from the accomplishment-centered place that we lived, our entire lives was based upon how well we could do things. That's what everyone praises. That's why people come to church. Can you speak well? Can you sing well? Do your programs run well? You know, and to get away from that, hopefully those things are all still true. It was such a weird and hard sort of journey to try to reinvent that shell Yeah, that many times I would tell Andrew, we would have such an easier time just shutting this down and putting a tent up in the parking lot across the street at Walmart or something mm-hmm. and just saying, this is a new church. <laughs> 
and this is how well we're going to start here from X. You know, right? Because you may, you have a reputation that you've built as the other thing. Well, unlearning is always harder than learning. It's, right. it's true of every part of our lives. Mm-hmm. If you have, that's why childhood's so important about certain things, because even though in theory you have more tools to change, it's you have a lot more to undo. <laughs> Uh, that has stuck with you longer. It's like it, it has almost exponential perpetuity uh, with you as if, yeah. if it comes through certain areas of your childhood. Now it's uh, it's entrenched, you know, and, and Johnny, just like that ditch witch. Just man, like the trench witch. get out there. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, truthfully, I mean, there is a uh, – that word deconstruction gets thrown out a lot, but I like the word renovation that's really how I've thought of a lot of things. Like I'm not, I'm not getting rid of the of the bones of my faith. Yeah, you know I'm not I'm not you know taking a jackhammer to the foundation of things. I am taking down all the things that can't stand on it. Yeah, and that's hard. And and you're in the cold now. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not in the comfort. The house was comfortable. It just it wasn't going to stand or withstand the things it should. So I got to go down and be willing to be uncomfortable for a season and figure out what actually stands. And I mean I think it's a it's a a necessary part of life. You think that's just like us in our forties? I mean, is that like a forties thing? Or I mean, I, I feel know. like the whole world's doing it right now. Maybe. And then I talk to people, and they just feel so. It's weird when I see somebody who feels very certain about things, and they're my age, and they're very like they know exactly what's wrong with the world, and it's this this group's fault, and we got to fix this, and we got to take our country back, and we got to do this. I'm just like, how are you? This like, I just feel I don't feel that. I feel it's not like I feel like I have core values that I still believe, but as far as like the mystery of God and the mystery of what I believe about God and the poetry language of the Bible and all those things, like it just feels like when I see somebody who's it almost feels like they're just being obstinate or purposefully like it's like a shield that somebody puts up. Certainty sometimes feels like this shield to keep you, you know, I'll just keep all these doubts at bay by just. Being absolutely sure that these are the bad people, and I'm one of the good ones who got the gospel exactly right. Right, and you're like, I don't even, I don't know what to do with that kind of person because I just, don't, I don't relate. <laughs> well, what's weird is we, I think we used to relate more. Yeah, I mean, we've always been questioning. Yeah, people. Um, but I think losing that's one of the things in the not so black and white book. Like I just shot a video the other day for uh, pastors, and that's a term I use in all of our promo videos. Like if if the community that you're serving in, if if it's blowing up over terms, yeah, and it's leading to like this sort of blind outrage and tribalism or complete certainty. That's a word I've always felt strongly when we've promoted this book or talked about this book, saying that's a problem that I'm not sure we're all picking out. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it, are we really evaluating? Our communities, especially if we're leaders, are we looking at the level of just complete certainty? I'm not talking about certainty about God as our creator and those kinds of things. I'm talking about the things that are in the political The weird realm, things we split hairs over, too. Right. Like, imagine how many denominations and doctrine <coughs> differences there are. And for you to wake up every day and believe that your thing, that your specific yeah. iteration and translation of the Bible and your, you know, is the, it's the one. Everybody else is at least a little wrong and right. sometimes completely wrong. And you have it right. They have it wrong. Like to believe that I just, I just, the same, like you talk about that grace, giving grace to yourselves. Like I, I believe hopefully I like, I'm going, God, I hope you have enough grace for all the things I've gotten wrong. 
because yeah. I know that I've probably got you wrong. Yeah. In more than one way. I think when we get to heaven, we're we'll really surprised. We're like, ah, oh, that was what that was about. Yeah. Or, you know, man, I made such a big deal about this and it wasn't a big deal to God. Like, I think we'll be pretty surprised at what's a big deal to God. I mean, he told us a lot of what's a big deal to him, but a lot of it, we just try to gloss over when he says like, you know, Hey, it's easier for like, there was a guy talking about this today. And I remember this sermon illustration, what's well, easier for a rich man, uh, or for a camel to get through the eye of an eagle than a rich man is getting heaven. We just, we just totally like preached our way around that Yeah. in the American church. We're just like, well, this is what he meant. Like, right. It's not a literal needle. It's it's right. actually the entrance God's to totally, the sheepfold. Yeah, God's and, totally yeah. fine with you having your wealth. Here's a way that you can have it and, and still be a faithful follower of Christ. It's like, so those are the things that we like pretend not to be certain about. Well, we can't know what he really meant, but I do know this. It wasn't wine. It was grape juice. And you're <laughs> like, no, actually, it probably was wine. So like we, we pick and we choose and we cherry pick. Yeah. And then the world sees us doing that and they go... You think you're so sure, but your your own inconsistencies are catching up with you. So I'm just praying that God's going to have like grace with me for all the things that I was wrong about. I just believe I'm, I'm going to believe what I believe, and then go, man. If I'm off, at least I'll be. I hope I'm right about this stuff, the stuff that's like the good stuff, the important stuff. Yeah, and I think that the I think that the path is is more important than that respect than the destination, simply because the destination is shrouded in so much mystery. That I think the statement you made is the statement of a disciple. I mean, I told someone today, I was like, look, here's, I may never, I'm, then we're talking about a specific issue. I was like, here's where I light on this issue right now. Yeah. And I may always light on that issue, but what I'm committed to is I'm committed to continuing to search God's word about it, continuing to read about it, continuing to live in community and have conversations about it. Regardless of what that does, I don't know where the conclusions are going to change. But what I can say is I'm, I'm going to keep living this way. That's that whole if you turn to the right or the left. You know, you hear a voice behind you saying this is the way walk in it. It's not, it's not a go left, go right. He says if either one that you do, uh-huh. he's saying whichever way you go, walk like this. I think is how I interpret that. Yeah. If you go this way, walk in the ways of Christ, walk in the ways of slow to anger and quick to listen and, and slow to speak and that I'm going to prefer one another and I'm, I'm going to at all times adhere to the disposition of a disciple. And when I don't, I'm going to repent of that and return. Like, so if, if I'm going to go down and I, I'd have to have that conversation or that conclusion about social media. You know, I'm, I'm I'm more active on social media now. You guys yeah. have followed the saga of that, yeah. but I finally there's John's some, just giving in. I, well, I mean, the deal was I decided. Welcome to the dark side, <laughs> my child. <laughs> I decided, like where I am now, yeah. Today is this is something right now that my hand thinks it needs to do, like in yeah. in the culture I live. Uh-huh. Whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. So it, I think this is, this is not a sin or a, yeah. a, a non-sin. This is whatever I'm going to do. I'm going to try to do it in the right way. Yeah. This is the way I'm going to walk, walk in it. Yeah. I mean, I think when I was uh, in my earlier years, I think I was so, I, it felt like the right thing to be this gatekeeper of yeah. like, oh, I'm in and these other people who aren't doing what I'm doing are out. Yeah. Um, and now I'm just like, I don't. I don't think that's what we're called to be. If anything, I think we're called to enlarge the table and yeah. hold the door. Yeah. You know, we're not called to be like, you're out, you're out, you're out. I think we let, I think we let God handle that. And so like this idea that, um, 
I don't know, just we were just raising that come out and be ye separate. And and that meant let's be weirdos and let's make sure that everybody knows that we're different. And we're better than you. I just man, I just think that's so dangerous. And and it strips you like it takes your soul, a piece of you. Yeah. And I'm just over that. I just I think it's going to be a way bigger table than any of us are comfortable with. Because, I mean, Jesus proved that in his ministry. Yeah. You know, people that, you know, the people are trying to stone the woman at the well. And he's like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, I just, I don't know. I hope I'm right. And if I'm wrong, I'm going to err on the side of love. That's what I'm pretty much deciding, you know. Well, the idea that you're not erring is errant. Like if we would all realize whatever you are doing, you're erring in some way. Yeah. There you're is. either being too judgmental or you're being whatever, then, whatever you want. Yeah. That's like my fear. Am I being judgmental enough? <laughs> Am I being visual enough? Like Jesus needs defending. Like we, th- we always thought we yeah. were like these defenders. Oh, yeah. We have to defend this thing because the world, the onslaught of the world, it's like, I just don't know. I don't think it's up to me to prove this stuff. I think if you live it, somebody's going to see that, you know, there's, I mean, there's enough proof out there if we'll just be good people to each other, I think. Because, I mean, that's a, that's a type and shadow of what God's doing in us, isn't it? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think uh, the definition of good is the hard part. There, there's right. where my faith, sure. my faith comes in so much because I still want to define good and evil for myself. That, that's the story of humanity. Right. How then will I define what is good and evil for yeah. myself? That's good. And what standard will I use? Will it be mine? Some, and then, and, and I think almost all the great conversations I've been in lately, that's where it really comes down to is even the way that we interpret the ancient translation of a word in the scriptures, trying to adhere to the scripture in 2022 with, you know, multiple understandings of what a word could have meant 2000 years ago Uh or longer is a complex, it's nuanced like to, to, we're not watering it down to go, Hey guys, that's a nuanced process. We're not speak. We're speaking a language that did not exist when this was originally written. Yeah, and we're you're talking about like what we t- <laughs> what we tell ourselves and what we say about ourselves. Uh, it's so important to culture. It makes a culture, and uh, we're seeing it now. We've not really talked about this yet, but like we're seeing like states start to ban books that are yeah. quote unquote a problem, and it's happening in the hundreds of books now, especially in Texas. And there was somebody that wrote about that today who's a pastor in Austin. And he says, every time I see people banning books or censoring history curriculum, I think about this quote, nations to make sense of themselves need some kind of agreed upon past. They can get it from school scholars or they can get it from demagogues, but get it, they will. Wow. So it's like we're trying to come to terms yeah. with who we are. And so when these outlier books that go, no, this is the ugly thing. This is a horrid, horrible lesion right. on the fabric of America, but it's a story that needs to be told. And we can either go, all right, let's bind up this wound, like you talk about in your book, or we can just go, that wound doesn't exist. We can convince a generation that that never happened if we just take the book away. Like, which one is the right choice? Like, it's so obvious, but it's weird to think that we're starting to go down this road of like, let's get an agreed upon. It's like, let's get our story straight and we'll tell the kids that there was no racism. It's like, what in the world are we doing? Well, to marry American exceptionalism to Christianity, okay, that's that's the condition by which I'm making the next statement. To say American exceptionalism has some sort of element of yeah. God's, I guess, sovereign manifest destiny over an exceptional country above yeah. others. Okay, if you're going to go that route, 
then to me, it's seemingly impossible to... Because you have to prove us worthy now of that. Well, you have to go, well, it's because we're the perfect whatever. Let's just say God chose us like he chose Israel. I'd be able to take uh-huh. that you know, kind of approach. You know, Just because out of grace, God chose. It's still, though, I think intellectually, intellectually irresponsible at best, if not just a huge logical stretch, certainly a theological stretch, to say that we don't have to adhere in the history remembrance or whatever sort of ways we're going to reconcile our past or tell our past is if we don't have to use Christian principles in the retelling of the past. And Christian principles are literally based upon right. acknowledging right. where I have failed. It's all about repentance, vulnerability. It, it is. Yeah. yeah. It, and it, and it, what we're seeing now is more pride. It's more like, no, 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 no. Look over, look over here. Don't look over there. Look over here. Ruby Bridges never happened. It's right. like, come on, man. Or kids can't handle this. They'll hate them. They'll 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 be raised to uh, hate themselves, and we'll divide people into you know the oppressed and the oppressors. It's like kids can handle it. You know, if a kid who is experiencing racism at age five right. in her school, then a white kid can handle reading about it. Yeah, you know it, as I say, yeah, it's a. You're priv- not giving kids enough credit when you say like they can't even handle this book. Like, yeah, come on. it's a privileged statement to say that. Yeah, because yeah. there's some kids who have no choice but to handle what it is that we're writing about. Right. No, you're exactly right. Um, you know, I think that there's, uh, of course, we're a, a, a country and a culture of extremism. I think like okay, there's there's reasonable things, and I'm a my master's is in curriculum instruction. I mean, so I think about curriculum and those kinds of things. Um, that sounded like pretentious. I wasn't trying to drop that, <laughs> guys. <laughs> I know more than all I of us. I sit around thinking about curriculum day all in, day the time. out. I, I just mean like... <laughs> I've written a fabulous new book on it. <laughs> if you go to my website. <laughs> it will not be censored there. I just, I think like age-appropriate things are absolutely always something to consider. And also parents, like the, the parents being able to parent their children in the way that they see fit, mm. right or wrong... I believe falls under also constitutional, as long as it's not a crime, I believe that is, I mean, well, constitutional rights may be a stretch, but I think that there's an implied part of our rights yeah. that, you you know, no one's going to teach your kid necessarily something completely outside the bounds of your belief systems because of freedom of religion, freedom of religion covers things that we don't like about religion too. Right. Freedom it, from religion even. Yeah. yeah. It really, really does. So I think to say, hey... A parent can opt out of something. Yeah, I think probably you could you could make a pretty good legal case that that would be a right. You know, uh, if it truly violates someone's viewpoint, that's a religious viewpoint in particular. That's already in place in in, in most cases. I think though, it's the idea that to, to your point, the idea that somehow that's not real history yeah. is the problem. Now we're dealing with accurate information, and we're certainly dealing with being dismissive of a huge, like, gaping wound, not just in our history, but has a, that has a legacy in the lives of people in the present. It, it would be the equivalent of, in my life, okay, it would be the equivalent of someone saying to me, hey, listen, you know, that that thing that happened to your ancestor in the Revolutionary War, you know, where they were taken captive by the British and put into a, you know, a, 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 
you know, prisoner camp and, and they were executed. You know what? We don't really want to talk about that. Like if you just right. put, if you put it into a totally like white context, yeah, you would go, what do you mean? I'm going to talk about that. They need to, we need to know that that was the part of it. It makes a lot of the British people uncomfortable. Right. The way that they're going to be perceived. Right. They wouldn't want to. Because you're making them out to be war criminals now. They don't like it. Right. Let's just let's just kind of figure out a way to tell that differently. And that is such a small, in my opinion, example compared to millions upon millions upon millions of black lives that, I mean, black and brown lives were affected on a level, on a scale that's unfathomable. Like, I was just watching some history stuff the other day when I was home for COVID, and, like, just the enslavement of the Inca people by the Spanish conquistadors, and then the absolute looting of their culture in the name of Christianity. Mm -hmm. And that's what one of the historians said. They were like, it was was like a gold rush with religious overtones. Like that was also a, 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 um, what's the word here? I wouldn't say holy war, but it was like they had in equal parts. Right. We're going to take that. You can't have that idol. That's heresy. Right. So what we're going to do is take your idol, melt it down into gold bullion and ship it across and spend it. So we're going to take the thing from you that's supposedly idolatrous. Yeah. We're going to cash it in. But nobody ever makes an idol out of money. So we did them a favor. (laughs) Wait. It's true. The gold bars weren't idols at all. <laughs> <laughs> In return, here's these blankets laced with smallpox. Oh, my Enjoy. gosh, man. I mean, the stories will never even be – their whole – listen, the, the people group that Columbus first encountered were a copper-skinned people, and they're gone. Yeah. They're the only – we have we – have, I mean, they're completely wiped out. By disease, and it's one thing to say, and that's the thing. And I guess I don't want to make sure that people understand. It's one thing to say, should we all just like live our lives in shame as white people and feel bad for the rest of our lives? That's not what we're saying. No, what we're saying is to wipe out the stories of this because it makes some people feel uncomfortable. That is the sin. That's the crime. Because that's just you know what I'm saying. We're it's a literal whitewashing, and that's what we're starting to see. We're starting to see like. It's that it's that parallel thought. It's that parallel universe where we go. I can have my own version of it. That used to be the thing on conservatism is they say you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. Right. And now we're trying to make our own facts. Right. You know, we are literally acting as if any representation of certain parts of history, specifically slavery, are suddenly a term called CRT. Right. It's the new McCarthyism that that is dangerous. Right. And. It's By the new, way, it's the new red scare. CRT is a legal term. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's it, it's a legal term, not a historical term. And even though it, it deals with history, like we're using that completely out of context. It's just it's just. And I want to make this clear. I'm not I'm not like pro CRT or anti. I'm just I'm making a statement that I have a degree in history. I studied history. Like they're trying to remove things now that we just thought of as history. Because yeah. it was a part of it. Like, it's not even up for debate. Uh, one of the places, Reggie and I, we, we had to, it got canceled for COVID or postponed. But we're, we're going to um, First Baptist Church in Colonial Williamsburg. Mm-hmm. It's one of the oldest black communities in the nation. And they're excavating archaeological uh, remains 
of the of the actual original church in lots of the burial grounds where this black community is almost lost to history. It's one of the early black communities yeah. of, of the time. Like to say but one of the reasons they're gone is because of a lot of atrocities. Yeah. And that community there, white and black, are dealing with it right now. And there's an amazing – I mean there, there's a documentary film that hasn't been released on it that they're making. But they've been on like the Today Show, all kinds of people. Like they're, the story is coming to light because it's a part of the story. And, and these are a lot of faith-based organizations as well there. They're having these conversations among white and black people, which is what we've tried to write about, to say not acknowledging this is not the best option. It's not even the best Christian option. Yeah. Well, it's like that thing about, you know, history, you know, if you keep power long enough, you get to kind of decide. And that's where you get that quote about we have to have this agreed upon past to come to terms with who we are. We're trying to like, let's get our story straight. Now, we weren't that bad. And then slowly it it devolves. It kind of erodes the truth. And you start to even tell a story. It's like if you tell a story about yourself, you know, about the 15th time, you may have left out the most embarrassing parts. Right. Maybe you've painted yourself as more the hero than you were, you know, and it's just what happens throughout history. And we're but we're watching it happen in real time. I think it started with journalists becoming under attack, being called enemy of the state, those kind of things. It, it lays the groundwork for like there are outsiders who are trying to tell you a different story that's not true. And I have the real story. And it's like you start sowing those seeds of doubt. And then all of a sudden when they start pulling books, you're like, well, it's probably best that this book goes away, though. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. because it's, you know, do we really want our kids reading about this? Come on. You know, schools to learn about, you know, good stuff. This is all bad stuff. Let's not. So you're like, come on. Yeah, this is this is how we grow, that we learn from our failures. Well, there has to be a way to – that's because a binary culture, okay, a binary choice culture says this has to be good or bad. Yeah. You can't be a thoughtful conservative. You're you're either a right-wing nut job. Right. Or you're a flaming liberal. Yeah. You can't be a thoughtful progressive. You, like, you can't right. have anything in between. Yeah. And the truth is, most, right. most right. of every us— Every conservative's a nut that's just right. holding on to their Bible, and they want—everybody's you know, everybody's going straight to hell. Or if you're a liberal, like, you just want free handouts for everything. Right. And you just want—until you know, until we're all bankrupt. Yeah. Uh, and the truth is, life, real life is nuanced, and so is history. Yeah. yeah. History has to be nuanced. If you're if you're saying we're gonna teach our kids the country is bad, guys, no real history teacher right. would ever say that. I'm sorry, no no real history teacher would say this was all bad. There's some bad things here, and there are some good things here, and and this is what life is. <laughs> like yeah. this idea that I get, and you said it earlier, I get to call myself one of the good ones. Or call myself one of the right ones. Yeah. That's really what we're all shooting for yeah, in we're society. For that. Yeah, yeah, we're fighting for that thing of like, just don't make me one of the villains when you tell this story. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like everybody is a part. I mean, yes, I think slave traders are probably going to play a role deeper into the villain. And there were people, by the way, in their time who felt the same way about them. Yeah. Who were saying this is wrong. And I think that history is so important to know that there were abolitionists in the 18th century mm-hmm. in the 1700s was wrong then. Yeah, who are right now saying let's not do this that we almost went to civil war when when thomas jefferson became president the north almost seceded like i just read this in a book the other day the north almost seceded 
because they were afraid now that the power structure had shifted to the south so much that, they would, that all the new territories coming in would be slave territories. It tipped the balance of power in Congress. By the way, that's exactly what happened. Fifty or sorry, sixty-five years later, the same question, except the South seceded this time because they thought now the North would have too much when the new territories came in as free states. Like this, this it was always that way. But people don't get it. Like it's important to know. I didn't get it. I'm not like judging people. I'm saying this is good history to know. Like, oh, this was super nuanced. There was a lot going on that that we can still learn from instead of just going, nope, George Washington, all good. Right. We're not going to say, what well, George Washington was a dude. It's almost like with your parents. Like we've had that. We've talked about those moments when you realize that your parents are flawed people. Right. And it can be this terrifying thing, but it's also like it's a growth moment because you're like, oh. Okay. Yep. It doesn't make you not like them. It just makes you understand this is com- more complicated than just like my parent is a saint. Yeah. Just floating on a cloud above me. It's like no, they're flawed people. They have needs and wants and desires. And sometimes they're selfish. Sometimes and, they do the wrong thing. Yeah. And a good parent that's wise will want you to know that. That's why your mom was wise when she would tell you sorry. Right. Even though it shook you. Yeah, you needed to find that out then yeah. from the source. That's what's crazy about it. again George Washington. George Washington wanted you to know I'm not a good king. Yeah, like no, I'm not going to do this. No, right. don't call me. Don't call me your Majesty. Like he went to great lengths. He said we will never be royals. Wait, that's <laughs> that's Lord that said that. <laughs> oh my goodness, Johnny! I learned so much today. Well, I, you know, I did too. <laughs> <laughs> it was phenomenal. Listener, we hope that you maybe enjoyed the conversation today. Maybe, you know what? I love hearing from people. I, I got a, a message this week on my book from an old friend. Um, and he just said, hey, this I finished your book and appreciate it. It was well-written and it's challenged me. And I'm, it's got me thinking about a lot of new things. That's good. And I was like, I mean, that's that's what this is about. Like, hey, that takes courage and takes courage for all of us. So I wanted to give a Toby update because last time we talked, yes. you said – why don't you try going back to steroids full time? Because uh-huh. he was starting to go downhill again. And you did. We did, and he's doing better. And so, what you're saying is, I saved Toby's I, life. You're a doctor, guys. No, we asked the vet if we should do it, and he said, "Yeah, if you want to try mm. to just move him back to two to a day." But he's peeing everywhere because wow. he drinks. He right. drinks uh, alcohol. He's got a no, he. Problem, yeah. No, he's drinking everything. So that's part of it that we have to like. Adjust. We're hoping. To, we're hoping eventually. I just want to give it up because the people have reached out. How's Toby? How's yeah. Toby? He's doing fine, and uh, he's getting around good. We went to the park yesterday. That was a fun wow. day. Chasing the ball. He's doing his thing. And Toby chased the ball too. Yes. Sorry. And uh, so, but he's doing better. But he's on the as per John's recommendation. He is on steroids twice a day, and. Uh, uh, Guys, just send me any more of your veterinary any more, right, questions. If anybody has any pet questions, yeah. we're going to have pet talk about that. Squawk, um, squawk about that, we'll call it. <laughs> bark about that. I'm super it's happy. Pet corner. Super happy to tell he's doing well. Well, and again, by the time this comes to air, John, we don't know. It's a, it's a pet. Uh, but, listen, it's like, yeah. but I'm just saying, for now, it's good. And it's, uh, you know, it's my buddy. So. Yeah. Hey, man, to, listen, I'm the former owner of a geriatric dog. It's a, it's a, it's a journey. It so, is, man. Yeah. He's, a, he's a lump, but he's a good guy. Yeah. Huh. You know what, Johnny? You know what else is? You know who else is a good guy? <laughs> Our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> we we have one listener, and he's a good. guy. He's a good guy. Thank you. Every month, uh, hey, if somebody did want to hear more episodes, what would they do? I don't even know what they do. Squawk about that podcast. No, talk about that podcast dot com. 
All of our archived episodes are there. Even our Patreon link is there. And I think there's social media links, maybe? Yeah. So, yeah, go check that out. You can kick in a few shekels if you want to help out the show. We love our patrons. And uh, we're actually, we need to organize another group call for our patrons. We haven't done one of those in a while. Yeah. A little like uh, Q&A. They can ask us any pet questions they have. Oh, my goodness, guys. I'm... You can learn about uh, <laughs> our racist past. You could learn about, <laughs> does your dog need to be on more steroids? We got all the answers. Everything, yeah. And then later on, these are going to be, you know, they'll, they'll age poorly. All right. of our hot takes will be like, right. I put my dog on steroids and... <laughs> Now he's moving the fridge around with his tail. He's t- it's too much. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to say uh, we're not giving real medical advice no. here, so you're going to want to. <laughs> <laughs> you should go check out all of Johnny's comedy specials, especially on Drybar. Yes, do that. Uh, Drybar Comedy. Uh, and uh, you can find them on social media, and there's all yeah. kinds of cl- – and I think if you just search for me on uh, YouTube, that Drybar special. is so one of the top ten Drybar specials of 2021. Yeah. It's a huge deal. It is. A, it's one. Well, I don't know if it's a huge deal. Huge, guys. We're very excited. And uh, if you want me to come tell jokes at your church, organization, comedy club, you can find me, johnnyw.com. Yeah, that's J-O-N-N-I-E, by the yeah. way. Yeah. I'm available, you guys. Yeah. I hey. mean, not every day, but some days. <laughs> He's traveling a lot, actually. Book him now while you can. Uh, please. Yeah, it's going to be great. Hey, uh, we uh, we made our goal, by the way. On February 1st, we got to 100 uh, reviews on oh, Also Black good. and White on Amazon. Look at that. So now, hey, we're climbing to 200 now. So, hey, if you haven't read the book, go check it out. If for some reason, like, money's tight for you and you're like, you know, I want to read that book, just send me an email and uh, I'll send you a free copy. Yeah. Look at that, John. Yeah, just email me john at johndriver.com. Give me your address. I'll send you a copy if you promise to write an honest review on <laughs> Amazon. So go go uh, check out the book, man. It's exciting. And if you missed our interview on For the Love podcast with Jen Hatmaker, uh, you can go and check yeah, out my socials. Man, Jen was awesome. I mean, what a pro. I mean, she was great. And it's, it probably is one of our best interviews uh, that we've had. So go and check it out on our socials. It's a really, really good thing. For the Love with Jen Hatmaker. So, guys, we appreciate all that you do, and especially to our Patreon patrons on Patreon. Thank you so much for what you do every week to help us out. We will see you next week on Talk About That. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hard-working pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.